0: Tuesday night, Tuesday night, if you are available, Tuesday night right here in this room, students from Platt County High School are actually gathering students from other schools to come for a night of worship right here in this space. And so it's for everyone. It's a community-wide worship time. And so I would encourage you to, if you don't have anything else going on on Tuesday night, come, bring your family and just worship they did this a few months ago at Park Hill High School South and students put this on and 200 people came and just cry out to the Lord and I think it's amazing that it's students wanting to do this and they want to make it happen and so they're inviting the community to come and be a part of that so hopefully our church is well represented because this is where we worship every Sunday morning and so we're excited about that opportunity to uh, to be to be a part of just encouraging them in that. Speaking of worship, I don't know if any of you had the opportunity or saw anything about this, this thing that happened yesterday at the Coliseum, I think, is where, where USC plays football out in California called Azusa Now. Anybody does that sound familiar to anyone, anybody saw that? A hundred and some thousand people gathered at this stadium to just cry out to the Lord all day long from the time, like 9 o'clock in the morning until around 10.30 at night California time. And I got a chance to sit in on just a little bit of it yesterday afternoon. i will just be honest, yesterday afternoon I felt lousy. I just didn't feel good at all. I felt run down. And I thought, what better way to, to handle this, if I couldn't sleep, is to go to, to go and just sit, sit in and watch people worship. And it started out with this, this idea of, of the, some, some people that were American Indians were there, and they were crying out for reconciliation. And they were, asking for, they were asking for forgiveness for their, the way that they have uh, hated people who have mistreated them. And then asking people to forgive them. And, and they worshipped up on this huge stage right there in this stadium. And then, uh, then African Americans, they got up on the stage and they asked for, for forgiveness. And they prayed about reconciliation and they prayed for, for healing to come in our country. And do you know the most segregated hour in America is right now in church. Right now in church is when everybody goes their separate ways to do their own thing. And uh, I was just, I was praying yesterday. I was like, God, I, I just pray for more diversity because heaven is going to look like the crowd at this the stadium event yesterday. All colors were there represented. And I was praying, God, more diversity in the seats that we sit in here on Sunday morning. When we first started meeting here, there was a, a, fa- a woman that was coming and she had a little, little boy named Peter. Anybody remember Peter? Precious little boy. And Peter, Peter just loved being here. And I, and I miss him. And so I, I just want you to pray with me about what would it look like if there was a more diverse crowd here in this place? Make us uncomfortable, God. Challenge us to see that they worship differently, but they worship the same God. And they worship differently up on the stage. It was powerful. American Indians and then African Americans and then, uh, and then um, different denominations. The Catholics asking for forgiveness from the Protestants. The Protestants asking for forgiveness from the Catholics. Just looking for unity with this idea that when unity comes, when people stop dividing because of color or race or denominational lines or whatever it is that we use to divide ourselves, when people get over that and they start coming together as one in Christ, then the world will know that Jesus came. That's what the Bible says in John chapter 17. That's what Jesus says. And I think it would be, it'd be powerful to see that happen in our community and pray that it does. So I was encouraged by that time and I felt better after I left. It's amazing what prayer and worship will do and some some Holy Spirit tears. You can clean your sinuses out a little bit. And it came out of that feeling a lot better. So last week, last week Pastor Brady spoke and he he used this phrase, fear is the enemy of faith. Fear is the enemy of faith. So I want to do something this morning. I want you to just write where you're at. I want to give you some courage. I want to give you something to take courage in this morning. Okay? So I want you to close your eyes and I want to just I want you to rest in this thought alone. And I want this phrase to wash over whatever it is that you came in here with today. Whatever care, concern or fear that you came in with today. And it's this Three words. Jesus is alive. He is alive. And because he is alive, he has been ever-present with our sweet little Landon ever since his diagnosis last week. Because he is alive, he lives in the hearts and the home of the McDonald family. Because he is alive, he is ever present with you. No matter where you've been, no matter where you are, no matter where it is that you're going to go, that thought alone is to give us great faith. Jesus is alive so that this grandmother who text messaged me this morning asking me to pray for her grandson is going into yet one more treatment facility. To deal with his drug addiction. 30 days of treatment, hoping that will cure his 10 year drug addiction. I say it's impossible unless he knows that Jesus is alive. Even when we've seen God come through in the past, with our fears of the past and the things that we've walked through, we've been seeing those things, we've overcome those things by faith, we still feel face the future, right, with a little bit of uncertainty, with fear. And why is that? I think the number one reason why is because it's unknown, right? I mean, it's just, we just don't know. Don't know what tomorrow looks like. Yet in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction or the assurance of things not seen. So we can have this assurance of things that we do not see because of faith. Later on in Hebrews, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. And then we must draw near to God and discover that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And the reward, I believe, is His presence with us right now and His presence with us forever. I think that is the reward for our faith. Knowing that though it doesn't make sense that we're going through a, a dark time and we don't know what the outcome is going to be, I'll walk by faith, even though I can't see what's going to happen on the other side. So, we're going to use this morning, we're going to use this, the power of story. And we're going to, this is the Old Testament edition of the power of story. And we're going to look at a, a few different examples, but I'm going to really land in the book of Joshua. So, if you have your Bible with you, turn to the book of Joshua, it's the sixth book in the Bible. And then you can also turn and put your thumb in uh, Hebrews 11. We'll go there for just a minute. But I wanted to think about, I want you to think about fear and faith and in this idea of the power of story from some stories of the Old Testament. Help us to work through some of these, see, these things. And maybe though we've not gone through exactly the same thing that some of these people in these stories have gone through, hopefully we can find some things that resonate with us and help us walk by faith and not in fear. All right, so there's tons of Old Testament stories I could have chosen, some really famous ones, for one like Noah and the flood, okay? Genesis chapter 6 through 9, God cleanses the world with water and then makes a promise to man with a rainbow as a sign that he will never destroy the earth again with a flood. And can you imagine the faith it must have taken for Noah to hear this word from God and to start building an ark in a dry land, <laughs> Where we're used to rain. We're used to seeing it flood occasionally and think that, it, you know, it might be a good idea. It's rained some in recent times where you're thinking, if I start seeing animals walking two by two, I'm going to get a little bit worried, you know. And so we see this story of Noah who has to walk by faith. He builds this, this huge boat. Do you think Noah had any fear? Just a little bit? I think he had a lot of fear. Yeah, I think, I, I just alone, Like, what am I going to do with the, the, the byproducts of these animals <laughs> on this boat for this amount of time? I would be fearful of all those unknown things. But it said Noah was a righteous man, and he listened to God, and he did exactly what God asked him to do. How about in Genesis chapter 12, where God chooses Abram to go to a land that he does not know, so that he can be set apart, him and his people be set apart So that God can make a great nation out of him. So that the whole earth will be blessed through him. You think, Abraham's thinking, or Abram at the time, how is it going to be possible that the whole earth is going to be blessed through me? But yet, Peter preached about that very same thing. After Jesus had risen, and gone up to be with heaven, and Peter preaches this message, and he tells the people this story about being blessed through Abraham's obedience. You think Abram, Abram was afraid of going to a place that he was not familiar with? Have you ever moved to a new town? Anybody ever moved, to this, moved into this community? Yeah. When I was 18 years old, luckily I was just naive and didn't know any better. I moved to Platte City not knowing anybody. And I moved to Bellamondo and I lived in an apartment with a couple guys that I worked with at American Airlines. I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> didn't know any better. And there's a little bit of fear there. I mean, I had this part of me that thought, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always go back home, right? But there was still some fear. And I didn't even know I was walking by faith then because I wasn't walking with Jesus. I just was doing what I thought was the best thing to do. How about Joseph? The story of Joseph. Great story. Joseph and his coat of many colors might be familiar to you. Joseph and his coat of many colors and his, and his life of many challenges. And if you read the story of Joseph through Genesis thirty-seven through fifty, talk about a roller coaster life. Great moments of being exalted and having power to being put in prison, to be back in power and seeing his family. Uh, all the challenges he went through with his family. It's hard to see the good, isn't it? In the middle of so much bad, does it sound familiar in your life? It's hard to see the good sometimes, even though we've seen good in the past. How quickly we forget. How quickly we forget. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. I I was going to say we're going to look at there just for a minute. Just to to refresh your memory about the story. By by the way, Hebrews chapter 11 is a great, great uh, word about faith and people who walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I love it. He endured it by seeing him who is invisible, by walking in faith and just believing in something he could not see with his own eyes. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not Touch them. You know the story of Passover where they were put, supposed to put the blood of the lamb over the doorframe so that the angel of death would pass over their homes. Do you think there was some fear as we placed the blood above the door? I mean, I hope this works. Have you ever felt that way about your faith? And I hope this works. I hope when it comes to the end and when I die, I hope there really is a heaven. I hope I haven't lived my life for nothing there are some people in this world who are willing to risk that all because they don't, want to take that kind of, they don't want to have that kind of faith. They don't want to live that way. Instead, they would rather trust themselves and their own way of living. No, I'll just do it myself, and hope, hopefully it'll all work out okay. Like, hopefully I'm just going to die and be worm food, and then there won't be no tomorrow. I'm sorry, but I'm not willing to have that kind of faith. I don't have that kind of faith. I would rather choose to believe in something that has been presented to me as truth. Even though I cannot see it with my own eyes, because it's invisible to me, I choose to believe that it's so. And I'm going to take that risk and believe that there's a great reward for that. But the reward is greater than just eternity. The reward is today. There's something powerful about living by faith today. I love what Brady talked about. Like When you walk out in faith and when you live your faith and you exercise your faith, you grow stronger. You get more bold. You're like, man, I can do this. Man, I can step out of faith and I can just leave my job and just trust that God's going to provide and we're going to start this church. Praise God that it worked, that it's still working. (laughs) Every time that you show up, I'm like, thank you, Lord. Somebody came. (laughs) Every time I take the signs down on Sunday night, God, thank you they showed up. Praise the Lord. How about David and Goliath? It's a great one, isn't it? Talk about David having some faith. (laughs) Now, God had already proved himself to David. He killed a lion and a bear Yeah, what's a giant? No big deal, you know? Had to have some fear. Man, I hope this works. (laughs) Uh, I'm only going to get one shot at this. Even though I got some five stones, one's going to probably be it, and the guy's going to take my head off. And he slings that thing. You know what I was thinking about? Have you ever had a little kid at close range try to throw a ball to you? That's scary. That's fearful. I don't care how much bigger I am than the little kid. It strikes fear into my heart, especially if it's a baseball it's no big deal if it's a softball, right? If it's a little spongy ball, you're like, yeah, go ahead and throw it. But when he's got a baseball in his hand, I, I turn into a little girl. Ah! No! No, stop! <laughs> Just the other day, a little boy named Jordy, he had this baseball. He had that look in his eye. I was like, don't do it, man. He winds up. <laughs> I don't know if the Goliath felt that way. When, Goliath probably didn't care because he didn't think it was going to work. But, but I know what's going to happen when he releases that ball. It's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to be a direct shot. <laughs> Funny things that come into your mind as you're preparing for a sermon. How about Elijah on Mount Carmel? Anybody familiar with that story? Prophet Elijah, prophets of Baal. He's outnumbered. It's just him against like 120, I think, something like that. these prophets. 1 Kings 17 and 18 is this story. And Elijah, he messes with them. <laughs> I think it's because he knows that his God is going to come through. And he has incredible Faith, But I'm sure at some point he was thinking, all right, Lord, here it goes. Man, he's dumping all this water. They're in a drought, and he's dumping precious water onto the altar. And he's like, man, God's going to rain down fire. He's going to lick it all. It's going to be amazing. But you imagine at some point while he's dumping all that water, man, I pray this works. I pray this works. And then finally, what about Daniel? Daniel in the what? Where did Daniel get thrown into? What was it? Lion's Den. Some might say the furnace, but that was his buddies. <laughs> he had three buddies that got thrown into the furnace. Either way, you've got to have some faith that God's going to deliver me from this. And I love the, the, the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said, even if God does not deliver us, I will not worship somebody else other than him. And that's faith. That is faith. Those are all great stories. but I wanted to focus on on Joshua the reason why I wanted to focus on Joshua is for one remember at the beginning of the year we did the first five books of the Bible of the Old Testament well this is the next book so this is like the continuation of the story Moses dies and they're getting ready to go into the promised land and I'm going to use the first nine verses of Joshua And we're going to use this tool that I've given you to help study the Bible, all right? And also, I'm going to use my sword. Emma, bring my sword up to me. This sword is primarily just to keep the men engaged in the sermon. (laughs) Because they're fascinated by shiny objects. (laughs) But in the story of Joshua, just like the first six chapters, Joshua rallies the people. Before they get ready to go into the land, they send a couple spies. And while they're in the city of Jericho, they meet a a prostitute named Rahab who takes them into their home to protect them, to hide them. Rahab tells them, we have heard about your God and we have heard what he's done in the past. And the people of this city melt in fear. They had this healthy fear. Of God. And you know, I just wanted to, just a little side note here. There is one type of fear that is okay for you to have. And that is the fear of the Lord. A healthy reverence like a child to a parent. There should be a healthy fear there. Because it causes us to walk in obedience. And that fear shouldn't be fear that paralyzes. That should be fear that frees us. Does that make sense? Fear that frees us to serve and to live and to live boldly for him because we know God loves us. That fear is rooted in love. But these people were afraid. They said, we've heard about your people and our people melt in fear because of what God has done for you. So they send the spies into the land and they come back with the report. Rahab makes a deal saying, hey, because I've helped you, please spare my family. And so they, they say, yes, we will. She, she holds this, hangs this scarlet cord outside of her window so that they know that Passover, that place, it's kind of like the Passover blood. I thought this is a really cool thought of this scarlet thing hanging from the window. Don't harm those people. And then it says the people got ready. The river is at flood stage. But the river doesn't part until so the people in faith step into the water. Sometimes God requires us to take the first step for then you to see him moving. That doesn't always work well for humans, does it? We always want to kind of have the plan ahead of time, right? Like, no, you show me, God, how I'm going to be blessed by this, and then I'll go. No, I just want you to trust me. I want you to step out. So they step in, the water is held up, the people pass through on dry ground, they, they build an altar with 12 stones representing the 12 tribes, and they build this altar to remember this is what happened. And later on it says, when your children ask, tell them the story. That's the reason why as parents, we're supposed to learn this, and we're supposed to pass this legacy on to our children. Tell the story. Tell your story of faith. And then it says, um, later on, like I think it's in verse, uh, or in chapter 5, after they got across the river, and they were all safe. Then Joshua drops this, uh, oh, by the way, this new generation that has not been circumcised, now it's time to get right with the Lord. Can you imagine all of the older men? Men, can you just go with me there for just a minute? Can you imagine? Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We didn't sign up for that. <laughs> you didn't tell us anything about that. No, it says, no, you, we need to leave. It's like confession of sin in a way. It's like we need to leave that in the past. It's time for a new walk. It's time for something new to happen here. So they do that. And then, of course, they take time to heal. And then once they're ready, then it's the story of Joshua in the battle of what? Jericho. It's a powerful story. They walk around the, the city once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, they walk around it seven times. They blow a trumpet and the walls come crumbling down. And God delivers them the city of Jericho, into their hands. And the only people who survived was Rahab. Which, by the way, it's kind of a cool story. If you look forward to Matthew chapter 1, guess who shows up in the genealogy of Jesus? Rahab. You might think you're an unlikely character in the story of God. But God has a purpose for prostitutes, (laughs) God has a purpose for you and me. So we're going to use your tool that I gave you. We're going to use this sword to study through the first nine verses of Joshua. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for, for, shall, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to my fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that my Moses, that Wherever you go. So, the sword. At the point of the sword, what do we learn about God through this passage of Scripture? Okay? So, I want you to participate. What do we learn about God through just these nine verses? What do you think? Help me out. Get a little bit louder. He's what? He's always with us, okay? He speaks. Okay, what else? Some of you are afraid to talk in front of people. I get it. Get over it. All right, we're a family. We're sitting around a table. We're having dinner. Okay, what do we learn about God in this passage of scripture? What do you learn about God in this passage of scripture? Huh? He wants us to meditate, he wants us to meditate right, on His Word. Okay, He keeps His promises, right? What do He say? I promised you this, and He's not going back on His promise. It's one thing about God. He's not going to go back on his promise. He will not leave us nor forsake us. He is for us, the Bible says, not against us. He is with us wherever we go, right? Wherever you're at, wherever you've been, wherever you're at, wherever you're going, he's with you. He has a perfect plan for us to follow. And when we obey him, we experience blessing that comes through that obedience. Okay, so the bottom part of the sword Pointing to man. What do we learn about man in this passage of Scripture? What do you learn about yourself, maybe? For one, why is God telling them not to be afraid? Because we're f- afraid. <laughs> we're fearful. Adam and Eve started that whole fear thing in the garden when they were hiding from God after they had eaten the fruit. One thing we learn about man is we always need to be reassured. Have you, if you have kids, do you just tell your kids, One time that you love them? No. Husbands, on your wedding day, I do. That's it. I'm not telling that ever again. (laughs) I love you. One time, right? No. Men, man, humans need to be reassured. Therefore, uh, men, mankind needs to be reminded. (laughs) Do you ever forget sometimes, right? We need to be reminded And then lastly, God still uses men to accomplish his will on earth. Who is God doing this through? He's doing it through Joshua. He's doing it through a man. Human. He's accomplishing things through you today. Is there an example to follow? So we got two two edges of the sword. You know, it says that the the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. Okay, so on one side, what is the example for us to follow? Joshua's life, for instance, is a great example to follow. He's a good leader. He's a good example. Not perfect, but he's a faithful man. Faithful to the end of his day. Joshua listened to the Lord. You know, he had seen how God was with Moses. He saw that example. And he had no reason to believe why God wouldn't be that way for him later on in the book of Joshua that Joshua said this phrase, choose this day who you will serve. And then what did he say? As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's the example to follow. He goes, choose this day. Every single day, we have the opportunity to choose in the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, the things we spend our worship on, our praise upon, we give a choice to choose this day who I'm going to serve. And so Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know how many times growing up my parents like, well, we're not them. And, and in our house, this is how we do it. We're going we're to go to church on Sunday morning, you can stay up late on Saturday night if you want, but we, on Sunday morning you can go in the church. There's probably some times I hated it, but right now, I'm so thankful my parents included me in that and encouraged me to go. It's the same way in my house with my kids. As for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that might mean we have to do without some of the world, world's gifts and things that the world has for us. We have to do without that. That's fine. But we're going to instead receive blessing that comes from being obedient to God. And then lastly, the other side... Of the blade, is there a command to obey? Now, this is kind of a no-brainer in this particular passage of scripture. Passage of scripture, because look what it says in six through nine again. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause the, this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Okay, do not turn. Um, from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And then he says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, And the reason why we don't have to be frightened or dismayed because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. So I want to finish up with a few questions for you today. Is fear keeping you from walking in faith? Is fear keeping you from obeying the last thing God has asked you to do? (laughs) Whatever that might be. I'll put it this way: is fear keeping you from putting your faith in Jesus today? Do you know that the Bible says God's perfect love casts out fear? So maybe until we've learned about this love that God has for us, the love that He's demonstrated through the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says nothing can separate you from that love. But what fear would keep you from putting your faith in Jesus? Fear that you're wrong? And that there's no reward in the end for that? You know what? When I was younger, it was fear that I would miss out on something that the world had to offer me. Like, if oh, if I give my life to Jesus, then I'm going to miss out on this fun. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, I've tasted most of that fun, and it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth at the end of the day. It's really not that what it's all cracked up to be. Are you fearful of what your family would think? Maybe. And if I really put my faith in Jesus and trusted Him, I have to explain myself to a lot of people. People are going to wonder. I don't know what it is. What fear keeps you from putting your faith in Jesus? Is fear keeping you from forgiving others? This was a big theme in this prayer gathering in California yesterday. There was a lot of repentance going on. People who have held on to anger and bitterness towards someone else that is different than them. Maybe in your world you don't have to look very far to find the one that you're anger and bitter towards. But is fear keeping you from letting go and forgiving them? Reality is, is you're still locked in a prison if you're not willing to let go of that. There was a quote that was given in this prayer time. It says, when we, cease, when we cease to hurt others with our thoughts and our words, we will then enter into the river of love. But only until we cease will you enter into that river. You won't know what that flow <laughs> is like until you let go. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to encourage you today. Don't bring your offering. To the basket today until you deal with this issue of forgiveness. Because the Bible says if you come and you come to give your offering you realize you've got something against someone or you haven't forgiven them don't bring it. Do the the vertical work first. Okay God I need forgiveness from you first. And you know and then immediately you might need to learn to forgive ourselves because we hold on to some anger and bitterness towards ourselves pretty easily. And then from that Let the forgiveness go out horizontal. What about the people that are in your life that you need to let go of the anger and bitterness that you have towards them? Don't bring your offering until you can get to that place where you can say, I forgive them for a holy God who has been faithful to keep his promise from day one, is able to and willing to, through the price of his own son, forgive you. How much more should we be willing to forgive our brothers and our sisters, our spouses, our family members, our friends, our coworkers, whoever it is God has laid upon your heart this morning, forgive them, for you have been forgiven. Let's worship.